You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Electric Light Orchestra, Out of the Blue. On the line, I have Rob. Yes, sir. Ben. I'm turning to stone. And John. Hey. <laughs> Out of the Blue is a seventh studio album by the British rock group Electric Light Orchestra, or ELO. Released on October 1977, written and produced by ELO frontman Jeff Lynn on the label Jet Uh, United Artists and CBS, and the genre is rock. I'm going to read from the book, Jim Harrington. Jeff Lynn is a man with serious ambitions. That much was clear from the start when he and other ex-members of pre-ELL psychedelic pop outfit The Move announced that they would now pick up where the Beatles had left off with I Am the Walrus. But even by Lynn's standards, Out of the Blue was a daringly ambitious project, a galaxy-spanning double platter that melded spacey art rock, Beatles pop, and sleek orchestral arrangements. Despite its length, Blue does not contain much filler. It kicks off with a trio of tunes that rank among ELO's finest, The Giddy Turn to Stone and Sweet Talkin' Woman. That book ended the meticulously produced It's Over, a track that hints at what Lynn would later accomplish with George Harrison. The album draws inspiration from both Barry and Beethoven as it moves through rockers such as Birmingham Blues and the symphonic sidelong Concerto for a Rainy Day, which climaxes with Mr. Blue Sky. The cinematic Wild West hero, complete with its McCartney-like refrain, brings the album to a triumphant close. Released at the height of disco, Out of the Blue was seen by some as a futuristic fish out of water. Nonetheless, it became a platinum-selling hit and launched the band on one of the most ambitious world tours of the 1970s. All right, what do we think of ELO, Out of the Blue? It's a stone classic, man. This is a crazy album. This is yeah, co- it's, a- it's like cocaine the album. <laughs> I, don't know. I thought Station to Station was cocaine the album. <laughs> I think this might be more. <laughs> it's all know, over man. the place, and it's crazy. Is it all over the place though? Like, what, what what do you feel like thematically and like I guess orally and just like in the way that they present themselves is like a I, I I don't I don't find any of this to be like any sore thumb sticking out like throughout the whole thing. It really feels to me like as a like oddly enough a a cohesive statement on four sides. It's true. But there is so much going on within each song to like, it's like a flashing light of an album. I mean, it's literally, it's so many, it's at, 
they are literally taking what the you know pet sounds what the beach boys and the beatles were doing and it just feels a bit amplified it's it's fast it's catchy but by the time you're in with a pop hook there's something else going on and then there's as soon as you're done with that song it hits you right again with another pop gem you know i'm not saying that's bad i'm just saying it's very very excitable it's very uh not schizophrenic, but it has a lot going on. So much going you have, you have on. A sh- you have a shit ton of layers. You've got vocals. You've got strings. You've got synths. You've got vocoder. You've got natural recording sounds. You've got effects. You've got... It's yeah, quintessential I mean, ELO. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, <laughs> I, I love a Dagwood sandwich of a song. Give me a Dagwood sandwich of an album? I'm a happy boy. <laughs> like, I mean, it's all good. Jeff, I I don't know how much of the arrangements Jeff Lynn did. Maybe all of them. I I don't know. But I know he wrote all the songs and I I know that he is for the production. Like he's the producer. He is able to to stack that Dagwood sandwich and and not have it feel like like a like a top heavy, messy, messy, sloppy sandwich. You know, he made like a Garfield sandwich of sound. But the end package of it is a tidy little pop hit. It's yeah. a is a two and a half minute pop gem. It is progressive you know? pop. We were talking, are the yeah. Beach Boys progressive rock? And it's, you know, maybe they're progressive pop, which ELO absolutely is this prog pop. I like prog pop, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is like if the the BGs had been able to like appeal to most normal humans like yeah. sense of what melody and like song structure should be. And I, I love that about this album, like that Jeff Lynn is, is taking some BG phrasing on a couple of the songs, you know, like he's really oh, pushing lot, those. Man. Yeah. Which is great. Like you're right. If he could, if you could take Odessa and trim it and layer it in, in better like futuristic prog sensibilities and, and put it into a pop context, you'd end up with this album. Sergeant I've, I've, BG's Lonely Pet Sounds Band. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, man. More or less. Like, because I never, like, I, I know that ELO has said that, like, hey, man, let's, uh, like, it was, it, who was Jeff Lynn's, like, writing partner with, uh, with, in Roy the band Wood? before this? Roy Wood, yeah. Like, saying, hey, man, let's, uh, let, let's pick up where the Beatles stopped. Like, what a what a statement to say, Lofty, man! <laughs> Big ass fucking like clown shoes to fill, um, <laughs> and they failed so sp- spectacularly forward with it. Um, where well, it, it doesn't. Why like, would they fail? I, I, why are they? Failing? I, I think I pick up. I think I pick up on what you're saying, Rob. I I, I I think in the act of trying to do that, they did they. They didn't do it well enough, but failed forward into something better. And um, if yeah, if their goal was to sound like the next Beatles album, then it doesn't that, sound like a Beatles album. That I goal guess. has failed. It doesn't sound like a Beatles album, but their jumping off point has serendipitously created this whole yeah. new thing, which thank you, which is better, arguably, than if they had just made the next Beatles album. Yes, I, that, 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 that's that, that's what I was going for there. Um, it's it's better than the sum of its like wannabe parts, I guess. 
Like uh, imagine, imagine had they like been able to like pick up with Abbey Road. Like imagine if this was like the successor to Abbey Road. It'd fucking suck. <laughs> it would. <laughs> well, and- it'd be so bad. And this is so much better than that. And I know they had fucking like four albums before this. And like, uh, what what's the one that was right before this been? Right before this the was one, oh, oh, New, World, New World Record. Yeah, New World Record. Fucking we, great we, record. We should, we, like, it, we, we, could we cut a White Stripes record and cover two ELO records? Because New World Record deserves to be talked about. It does. Um, and, and May as well. I don't think we're going to get another ELO record unless they do the one from 86. And I don't think they're going to be doing that. Um, I'm glad they picked this one to have it in because though it is a double LP, like again, like they're like the whole like wheat shaft concept, like there's no shaft. <laughs> like, no, there, all there is, wheat, baby. <laughs> wheat all day long. <laughs> fucking stacking it, stacking it, stacking that wheat, stacking that wheat, stacking that wheat. Yeah, like it, it just it never stops. It's so fucking good. And yeah, it's really good. But could it be a better single album? That's a question that we've mm, brought up. I don't a lot think of it times. could. I, I it, it, it's a good it, question it, to bring it, up, and I'm glad we're discussing it. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. In this one circumstance, and I'm gonna pass this on to more sober minds than mine. I I've listened to this record back to front for the past week, like at least seven or eight times. And the only song that pops up where I'm like, maybe not is the whale song. Um, but every other one of the songs, I'm just like, man, this is just so dang good. Why not have it on here? And I have yet in our talking of double records been able to be like eh, one song and that's the only one that i have an issue with so pass it on to better minds ben go songs in the key of life you've got more than one song that you don't think belong on there i think i have more than one song on there that doesn't but i have more than one like huh okay that's fair it's what i mean like songs in the key of life fucking amazing and yeah it deserves all the accolades but like i only have one song where i shrug a little bit and it's only a little bit if you haven't listened to us talk about double albums before the general opinion is more often than not a double double album would have been a better single album like a double albums contain and as a as a general rule double albums contain enough filler that if the artist had just had a sharper knife at the editing block, they would have had a way tighter but shorter album. And there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, you know, so we, we just mentioned songs in the key of life, uh, the clashes, London calling, uh, arguably the Beatles white album. But uh, I think that this album would make my list for albums that deserve to be a double album. I think that shortening this one to a single album I think that you would cut too much wheat and not enough chaff. Like, for example, I don't, I, I, I don't think that you could lose any of Concerto for a Rainy Day, and that's an entire side. You know, I think that 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 so side three of Out of the Blue is considered Concerto for a Rainy Day, which is comprised of a four-song suite: uh, Standing in the Rain, Bl- Big Wheels, Summer and Lightning, and Mister Blue Sky. Jeff Lynn wrote this whole album in like what two or three weeks while he was just in a Swiss chalet. <laughs> and during a lot of that time it was raining. And so he's just sitting at his piano, you know, and the rain's falling down and he's just kind of writing about the rain. And he comes up with this four song suite 
uh, uh, coming to a, a, a climax with with Mr. Blue Sky, where the sun finally comes out. And I think that you can't lose any of that. And th- and that that takes up a whole side right na- right there. And then you've got Turn to Stone. You've got It's Over. Uh, Sweet Talking Woman. Uh, I love Across the Border. Uh, Starlight, Jungle. I-, I just don't think this could be pared down to a single disc. Yeah, fucking Birmingham Blues, Wild West Hero. Oh, Wild West Hero. Heck I mean, yeah. I, I, I hear you and I... I pretty much agree with with everything that's been said. I think I get pop fatigue with this album. That is my only issue with the album is that uh, unlike uh, something like Songs in the Key of Life or, yeah, let's just say the White Album, Blood and Calling, I would be able to go straight through. This album can fatigue me at times because I'm so inundated with the 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 sort of like popness the the dancing uh going on that it, it the suite does help to uh call that a bit so it does kind of bring it into a different spectrum a different area but at the same time it's it like when i was you know three quarters of the way through i thought oh we're done now right and then you still have three, four more songs. Uh, there's sort of a natural ending that it feels like. And then there's yeah, a bit more I, after that. I, I, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you Sweet in the Night, Whale, Birmingham Blues, Wild West Hero seems like the like extras. Um, it, I think it, Wonder 7-inch included? Yeah, yeah kind of. I, I think <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky would be a more natural like ending to the whole record. But I mean fucking four of those songs though i'm totally okay with like yeah and i and it's only four and, songs and i think that uh, Bir- birmingham blues and wild west hero are i, I got stars next to those two to where it's like yeah why not why not yeah why not and, and, and the whale's not bad and sweet is the night is probably like the most uh mccartney song on the whole album if you're trying to like look at that kind of like pops craftsmanship and I feel like it's almost like uh, monkey bars, you know, where you like you swing and you grab the next one. It, it it feels like a lot of the same thing, but then they give you just enough like well crafted goofs to keep you moving. You know, like across the border has these like huge Tejano like horn oh, section, dude, like the, the brass on across oh, the border. Fuck, it's so I, good. That that's like my favorite part of like this whole record is the. That that Herb Albert style brass. Yeah. I've been okay. You get horned out, and then they swing you over to Night in the City. You're like, oh, it's just a regular rocker. Oh, bring on some fucking cowbell bonk, you know. And then it's like, oh well, like swing you over into Starlight with some weird UFO noises and shit. Like, and then oh, what are you gonna follow that up with? Oh, Jungle, where it's like a strange uh, kind of kumbaya song about listening to the animals in the forest in the jungle. Like, cool groove you know, though. Super cool groove. Jungle like. Jungle is a fucking hard goof, but it's a great goof. It, it grooves well. Yeah. I've been trying oh, to get cat, I've been trying to get cat casual to uh, cover across the border for a minute. Oh man! <laughs> oh, heck yeah, man! <laughs> that's, like, that, that's like, that's like a, a, the, my sleeper song of this album. It's not I one of the big hits. Me you know, too, man. But, uh, me but, too. Oh man! Whenever that song comes on, I stop what I'm doing and turn it up. Yeah, I had a note that's like it sounds like an electro spaghetti western. Yes, <laughs> Sci- sci-fi spaghetti western. Yeah, dude, I would watch the shit out of that movie. Trying to get to you. I'm gonna 
Brings in a lot of the stuff too that Love was doing with Love Changes. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was cool. Yeah, it has that Spanish yeah. element. It's so amazing. Um, ELO is definitely this album sold like 10 million copies. Yeah, there it is, 10 million copies worldwide by 2007. Four, four million pre-orders. That's four amazing. million comes yeah. out the gate quadruple platinum that's amazing you know with that many pre-orders before an album comes out one would wonder how important was the album that came before this which is why <laughs> we should be talking about new world record yep if it got you know pre-orders aren't on the merit of the record coming out they're on the merit of what's before what came before that you're not wrong man um write a, write an email to robert dimmery <laughs> I have a feeling he'll hear about it. <laughs> it was one of the pop first pop albums to uh, ex- use extensive like vocoder, help popularize the vocoder. I thought that was cool. And a lot of, some people said that, uh, you know, obviously there are different, what would you say, bands that came later that were absolutely inspired by ELO, obviously a lot of the disco stuff, but people don't really bring up bands like Daft Punk, which I can Mm -hmm. absolutely see that them being a huge fan of ELO, just in the style, the vocoder, the like pop sensibilities. It's cool. Is 1977 the year that Jeff Lynne bought a vocoder? Because it seems like a new toy that he's happy to play with. There's robot vocals, over all of the songs in this album that don't have thunder vocals, which is also the vocoder. <laughs> ben, while I was mowing my lawn this morning, <laughs> listening to this record, I, I, I thought to myself, like, why? Like, when did we all agree that, like, the vocoder is what the sound of a talking robot is, as opposed to just the sound of a talking anything? Like, it, it, it the, the immediate connotation is robot. <laughs> And I don't know when, like, where and when it came from. Man, probably as far back as, like, like sci-fi drive-in films of, like, the 50s. When yeah. a robot talks, it talks like this. Yeah, it's monotone. And they can't yeah. they can't do pitches. So, yeah. Well, and, it, and a vocoder is a truly synthesized voice, is it not? Yes. It's, that, it, yeah, it sounds it's, like it's created. Yeah. Right. I mean, because the vocoder, the vocoder, I looked up a little bit to try to figure out what it was. Like, it's been around since the 1930s where it was an attempt to synthesize a human voice and was basically like breaking down these vocal glottal pockets and recreating them through synthesized sound as a means more or less to, to keep them as um, secure communications, you know, like for wartime. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you can break it into packets and then reassemble it, then you can get the message. And so, yeah, I mean like, how could that not be a robot's voice, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a real person's voice. It's it's just the sound packets stuck together. Yellow, I, maybe I'd heard yellow songs prior to this, but the first yellow song that I'd heard that I actually knew was yellow at the time of listening to it was Mr. Blue Sky. Like, I'm sure I probably heard Don't Bring Me Down in a commercial at some point in the early 90s. But uh, Mr. Blue Sky was... For for the benefit of argument, my introduction to ELO, I've heard that song hundreds of times, and uh, there's the the vocoder robot voice, which uh, I have always lovingly referred to as Bruce. 
Uh, <laughs> but at, 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 at the fade out of the coda of don't, of Mr. Blue Sky, that robot voice, I never knew what he was saying. I always thought he was, assumed he was saying like, Mr. Blue Sky. But then there's another syllable after that. But uh, that song is the final song of the concerto for a rainy day. So it's the end of side three. And what that voice is saying is, please turn me over. It's the record asking you to turn it over <laughs> which is so yellow <laughs> it's so, so fucking on brand for yellow <laughs> i also like at the beginning of that like the, you hear like the, the thunder it's like synthesized thunder effects but in the thunder it's like concerto for a rainy day <laughs> <laughs> oh cool thanks jeff <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, so the band obviously is a big su success with 4 million pre-orders. The band set out after this on a nine-month, 92-day world tour. Huge, enormous set. Big spaceship on the stage with fog machines, laser display. Uh, the uh, U.S. concerts were billed as the big night. They were like the largest set with 62,000 people seeing them in Cleveland Stadium. It was uh, the era of this touring on stage spaceship. I can just I, I, I can just see Parliament going, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see like a Deep Space Nine concert where it's like all the bands that have spaceships? Oh, <laughs> oh I would. Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to live in that timeline. <laughs> yes, that sounds awesome. And I did want to say that they were one of the first bands to be accused of lip syncing because they have so much going on on this record that they did a pre-recorded tracks and then played them back while they were playing live. They were obviously playing the instruments, but there's so much going on that. So there's they weren't lip syncing, but there was a backing track. Exactly. They had okay. backing <laughs> vocals that were not on stage. So people looked at it and thought you know, that's a new thing, you know, playing along with a pre-recorded uh, tape is not the most common uh, element. As a rule, I disapprove. I would like to think that I would make an exception for the electric light orchestra because there is so much going on. But as, as a rule, I disapprove to a live show having a backing track of the same live show. I don't, I, I'm not hating on yellow though. I fucking love yellow and I love this record. So that 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 tour that that uh, that U.S. tour, the ninety-two day tour, the big show. I don't, I don't know if it concluded with this, but it, uh, but part of that tour when it got to Europe was an eight-day stand at Wembley Stadium. They played Wembley Stadium. I don't know if it sold out every day, but it was enough pre-sales that they played there eight days in a row. That's fucking they, insane. They sold it out eight days. Yeah. Yep. That's insane. That is wow. crazy. Oh. How how would it? How do you think Roy Roy Wood feels? Like a fucking chump, <laughs> man. How, how many times is Wizard selling out Wembley Stadium <laughs> <laughs> next February? I hear. When the when the aliens find this recording on that next golden uh, record, we throw into space. <laughs> you talking about Voyager? You talking about the gold record in Voyager? Yeah, yeah. Didn't like, didn't the last record store day put out that record? It like is yeah. a uh, yeah, it's a box set. 
So yeah, you? you can get the Voyager gold record. Man, that's I want to listen. To I would that. love that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's got you some... should put ELO on there. <laughs> it's a I little. Think she just put a new world record on there. Like here's our new world record. It's gold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's already gold. It's already gold. Why you know how many just... people bought this fucking thing? Why don't they just throw a fucking uh, USB stick up on the next one with a SCSI port? Uh, and be like, can, oh, y'all know what a SCSI port stuff. is. <laughs> yeah, you can download all the all the tracks. Digitally. It would be really testing the U of USB, wouldn't it? It sure would be. Mm. Well, the reason they selected a... Do you want me to go into it? I mean, the reason they selected the record is because a record is a physical device and they have instructions on one side that explains how to play the record if you don't understand sound using mathematics using like, mathematics yeah and it's a simple enough machine exactly it just needs right. a yeah. needle and it needs something to turn it yeah. mm-hmm. exactly so there's your lesson for today space people it helps well, if you have an amplification system as well <laughs> aliens <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about an album with a spaceship on the front, we should probably have a a brief note about space science. I thought you were going to talk about Mothership Connection. This (laughs) uh, album had a, what, a starship, uh, a spaceship on the cover. It's a a spaceship docking in a space station. Would fold out. Which is this, it's an advancement from um, uh, the previous record uh, and the record art. Mm-hmm. It is. They, they definitely kept. They had. They had visual cues and and themes, artistic themes, that they stayed with through most of the seventies. It seems, even in in Discovery, the same space station shows up. Only it looks really small, like one of those uh, Simon memory games. It's uh, a, a it's like a a guy with a, a turban in the desert is looking at it like he just like pulled it out of the sand. No, like, like a discovery. Like a disco discovery, uh, you mean. Which is also disco very. There is a taste <laughs> of disco very on this album. I mean, Sweet Talking Woman is disco, man. The, oh, yeah. Th- this album leans disco, but discovery is disco. <laughs> it's disco very. <laughs> it's disco very. Uh, uh, the, old, the, the band's own admission, it was like an inside joke on the band. Like, discovery was disco very. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ben, I can't disassociate you from the song that we're listening to right now, Stepping Out, which is which is you drunkenly pantomiming the robot voice. <laughs> fucking just like big mouth, like arms, just very slowly moving, but looking like you're walking and uh, <laughs> saying, I'm stepping out, I'm stepping out. But just mouthing the robot voice. I, I cannot disassociate this from you. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. I'm a I'm a big fan of the ELO robot voice, which we have grown to refer to as Bruce. As Bruce, yes. Yes, uh, which, which is from the the uh, the track off of discovery uh, don't bring me down where it's like don't bring me down bruce uh, they they never say who the bruce is so we just had to make up our own story that bruce was the robot in the band he played bass or whatever and and he would occasionally get to sing backup and you know so jeff lynn's singing 
And then he'll step away from the mic and then Bruce will step up and be like, Mr. Blue Sky. (laughs) But eventually Bruce got discontent and would always be airing his grievances and getting Jeff Lynn down. (laughs) There should be a behind the music. (laughs) I'll tell you why there isn't, though. It's because they never had scandals. They stayed away from drugs and partying. They said they left well, it to their groupies to mess with, to do all that mess, and that they were pretty straight. Well, how about there should be a, like a fake behind the music made by some <laughs> parody troupe uh, about about Bruce, the unsung hero of the Electric Light Orchestra. I had down uh, so that's part three of the concerto the outro coda of summer and lightning it almost gets into like a hang on sloopy like don da don da don or or even like like grease like summer loving you know <laughs> yeah which makes perfect uh, sense because they, <laughs> they wrote xanadu yes. they, they've got the the olivia newton john connection <laughs> that's right 1980s xanadu let's go watch that Oh, who wants to who wants to mention the uh, the Randy Newman song? Not Rob. Birch, <laughs> weren't you the one that that posted about it on our chat, Birch? Yeah, I thought I thought it was just interesting that you know Randy Newman's big fan of Randy Newman, and he <laughs> has a song called "Is It the uh, Tale of a Rock and Roll Band?" Yeah, something like that. Taylor's is, story yeah. of a rock and roll story band. Story of yeah. a rock and roll that is in the stylings of ELO. And references ELO by name, says he's a big fan of theirs, and then has like multiple parts within the song that sound exactly like a suite of ELO. It's fucking it, it, great. It's awesome. It, it's his love note to ELO. The song is about, it, yeah, it, it, it's about the story of an American band, but it's really about how cool ELO is, according to Randy Newman. They'll be like, and then they hit a part where they went like this. And then they would just be like part of it, like, like strings and like big like like harmonies and something. And then they do something like this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a straight up lyric is like, my almost favorite is turn to stone. <laughs> and what about telephone line? Yeah, it's, it's Randy Newman talking you through his own fanhood of yellow. And I love it. I, I'm here for it. I'm a fan of Randy Newman. I'm a fan of yellow. I like when bands I like also like bands I like. Yeah. It's a very literal song, too. It just explains but like, And that band is called ELO. <laughs> yeah, I think the line is like, I love that ELO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I was under the impression you loved LA. Turns out it's ELO. But then, like, then you wonder with Randy Newman, like, you never know. Is he like, is he goofing? Does he hate like, ELO? Wait, wait, wait. Is ELO racist and he's calling them out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't that know. would be a very Randy Newman thing to do. 
Yeah, I was going to say Simon Prince, music journalist, it says ELO is arguably the most uncool, even definitively anti-cool band. He says it's hard to get people to uh, to coax like contemporary bands into saying to admit that they are influenced uh, or like ELO. But he's he's been able to do it with a couple people, including Flaming Lips, uh, Super Furry Animals. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some. I, I mean, all that. It's, you just gotta get over yourself, you know. Like ELO's yeah. fucking great, dude. <laughs> I used to. I used to. Man, I fought ELO so hard when it, when I was so I was so punk rock and drunk in twenty. You know, like oh man, I I I remember multiple times that I'd be at a party and like someone would want to put on ELO and I would. I, I I would like vocally dissent like like no no hello that's like cheesy seventies cocaine pap that's so like overproduced blah 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 listen to pap 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 the thing that drunk twenty year old Ben said um, it is yeah but but but, but, but I, I thought, no, I thought no. it was way overproduced I I thought it was like I I just thought it was so when when did it click do you remember. Um, I remember mine. Do you remember yours? I don't remember the specific time. It, it was probably late twenties. Do, do you remember clicked. your blue sky? <laughs> Tell me about it, Rob. <laughs> no, mine. Mine was inside the video saloon at closing. Oh yeah. What did it's it for you? Fucking Mister Blue Sky. I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening? What? 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 Oh, we just went from screaming the fucking sweater song, and now you're telling me to leave with Mr. Blue Sky? You monsters! <laughs> I feel I feel like you're right, though. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky is like, it's the gateway. It, it was used in a commercial in the early 2000s as well. Uh, you were used in the commercial in the early 2000s, you nightmare man. I wish. <laughs> I wish I'd have a lot more money. But you right weren't now. paid. <laughs> oh, you awful! Still, you you know, it's the exposure though. The exposure's good. I've right. been that in a band the that's, of- that's covered Mister Blue Sky. Elo was was on the one one. Wait, you covered Mister Blue Sky, Birch? Yes, State covered it for for Greg at Punk Rock Night in Indianapolis, Indiana. He loves Elo. The creator of Punk Rock Night loves ELO. So we cover Mr. Blue Sky. Only talks about our band in the... Oh, yeah, they covered that Devo song that I like. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. How how many dozens of times have Sump Pumps played the melody in? Fifties of times, gross at least. (laughs) And 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 the most that we get is like, like even on like this like pandemic like, uh oh we're playing some classic uh punk rock night things at the Melody Inn. Like it's just us covering fucking Devo. It's the only (laughs) thing that they played. (laughs) Those were great shows. Oh, they were fun. They were fun. Guys, remember shows? That was fun. Oh shit! No. <laughs> I hope to go to a show. Uh, the spaceship that is docking on the space station, the ship number on the ship is the uh, it's the uh, the label release code. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. 
JT LA B two three dash L two. Like JT is Jet Records. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Man, this record's so good, guys. Dude, we're listening to Big Wheels right now. Oh man, it's this song's got dude, feels. It's so good. <laughs> Maybe I know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just like that time in my life. Big wheels. Like it hit me. <laughs> Dude, it's beautiful. It's yeah. so epic. This whole album's epic. It's epic with its popness, but sometimes, sometimes it gets epic with the heartstrings. Huh? Oh, like it's not on this album, but fucking strange magic, man. Off oh, an earlier yeah. album. Fuck. Dude. Oh, since this is the only yellow album we're doing, I, I, I've got it. I've got to tell at least one peripheral yellow story. So uh, when I first moved to Louisville, Kentucky, I was working in a kitchen uh, right across uh, the street from the, the house where I lived with Rob. Hey, and, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I, I worked with just some like nice Kentucky good old boy line cooks. Like I love these dudes. They're straight up just Kentucky good old boys. And uh, I'd bring in like burned CDs of stuff to play. And I, I burned a CD of like my favorite ELO songs and we we're playing it. I figured it'd be crowd pleasing enough to be able to play in a kitchen, which it absolutely is kitchen workers out there. You can play ELO, uh, but strange magic comes on. And my buddy Dale, uh, who's working the saute line, he comes up and he goes, man, this must be what falling in love sounds like. <laughs> and like Dale, that was beautiful. Oh, that was fucking man. beautiful, man. Stirring a bully maze with two hands, and Dale comes up and, and, and just claps in your ear. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to go around the room. I think we all love this. Like, I, I love, how could you I not? This album. Yeah, you got two ears and a heart. Fucking <laughs> listen to this. Four sides, man, and it 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 doesn't hurt the the end end product. That's fucking awesome. Don't sleep on concerto for a raising day. Side three Please is don't. is really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, amazing. Probably the the my my favorite side. Yeah, yeah agree. Yeah, dude. It probably is yeah. the most cohesive side. Like it, it makes the most sense in the ELO context. Yeah, mm-hmm. for certain. Although side one starts off real strong, <laughs> can't oh, deny dude. that. All hits. Yeah. No, side Again, one, side one even closes strong. Side one turned a stone into it's over in the sweet talking woman into across the border. End of side one. Yeah. Already. You have that this double album that you just paid double for has earned its keep in your collection. One side mm-hmm. in. Cool. All right. Next time we'll be talking about weather report, heavy weather. Mm-hmm.